Good morning, everybody. It's time for another edition of the A Few Good Men on the Big Ten podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley, Andy Anders alongside. Um, for the longest time, Andy, we wanted Big Ten football because we had, uh, what, one, two, three, four, five, six top 20 team, top 25 teams. We thought we had a heck of a season in front of us. We knew Ohio State would be the class of the conference. Uh, we didn't think we'd be uh, halfway through the Big Ten schedule of eight games and have only three, well, I guess it's four now, top 20 teams in the league. <laughs> Everything's topsy-turvy, Bruce. I, I didn't expect Penn State to be the bottom of the conference. Ooh. I expected them to be the main competition for Ohio State in the Big Ten East, even without Micah Parsons, as we mm-hmm. knew going into the season. I didn't expect, I expected Indiana to be the surprise team of the Big Ten. You did, you called that. But I did not expect them to be a top ten team. <laughs> Number nine. I, I never in a million years would I have guessed that. Um, not this year at yeah. least. And uh, Northwestern undefeated, ranked 19th. And so you're now your two matchups that are going to decide the divisions of the Big Ten. Yes, they are. Are Ohio State, Indiana. At noon, Saturday. And Wisconsin, Northwestern. 3.30 Saturday. Yeah. Week five. Week we're we're going to have two teams with the inside lane to the Big Ten title. We expect Ohio State to be... One of them, because the Buckeyes are a 21-point favorite. What does that tell you? 21-point favorite. Indiana's beaten Michigan State, Penn State, and Michigan? And you're a 21-point dog? Uh, that tells me Vegas doesn't buy into the Indiana hype, obviously. <laughs> um, Maybe they buy into the Ohio State hype more. Yes, I think so. Um, that, honestly, that'll be somewhere in the range of my scoreline for Saturday mm-hmm. um, when I submit my weekly predictions. I think that... Uh, Indiana, they look like a team that's riled up right now. I yep. watched most of that Michigan State game. Tom Allen has them playing with an energy level that you know is equal to any. Pro- I'd I'd equivalent it to any program in the country right now. They believe they are bought in. They do over there. They play with a lot of energy. They've got real weapons at the receiver and tight end position. Mm-hmm. Ty Fry, Fogel, Watt, Fillier, Peyton Hendershot, all three. Yeah, uh, are going to challenge the Ohio State secondary. Actually, I don't think Penix is. Justin Fields caliber, but he's a solid quarterback. Um, the only thing is that defense, and I don't. I think Ohio State's going to find way too much success through the air themselves with Fields, with Olave, with Wilson. I'm not sure there's a secondary in the country that can stop that group. Um, Nor am it's I. Cer- it's certainly not Indiana that can stop that group. So I, I think Ohio State will pull away at least come the second half Saturday. But if you're Indiana, you have to love the direction the program is moving in. And now maybe you could start to get some inroads with uh, better recruits. Yeah, that's the key. Tom Allen has done a nice job at Indiana. I really think their ceiling is typically in a normal 12-game season. I think their ceiling is probably nine wins, maybe ten. It's a great year for Indiana. Bill Mallory did a nice job over there years ago. Terry Hepner did a nice job years ago. I think Allen is an Indiana native. He's doing a nice job. I just think that the class of recruits that they get is a different group of recruits than Ohio State gets, and we'll see how it plays out on Saturday. I don't think the Ohio State secondary or defense is impenetrable. I expect Indiana to score, but they build those big hotels in Vegas for a reason, and I think the 21-point margin, I wouldn't be surprised if it's 45 to 24 or something like that. Those guys are uncannily accurate on that. That sounds about right to me, uh, where, where the score will end up. But again, I just the surprise team. Now, kind of on the flip side of this, you have two of the bigger disappointments in the Big Ten Ooh. thus far. We got a Penn State-Iowa game coming up. 
If I'd have told you, Bruce, Penn State will be 0-4 and Iowa will be 2-2 and with losses to Purdue and Northwestern going into that game before the season, would you have believed me? Well, I wouldn't have uh, because I just figured that even with the loss of Micah Parsons, and we at that point in time didn't know that Noah Kane and Journey Brown wouldn't be playing for Penn State. So those they've lost three of their main guys, but still, I mean, 0-4, come on, you got to win it in Nebraska. You got to win it in Indiana. I mean, they make a play, make a smart play on offense, don't score at the end of the game. Make a play on defense. Don't let Indiana get within a two-point conversion. And make a play on Michael Penix. Keep him out of the end zone. They're not making plays when they don't have their top playmaker on defense and two of their better playmakers on offense. The game comes down to a play. They're not making it. They had 500 yards of offense against Nebraska. And you got to win that game when you're 500 yards of offense. They had, what was it, 11 snaps inside the 20 in the last Four minutes, they got no points. Yes. I mean, I know they needed a touchdown, so it's like they probably could have kicked a field goal for one of them would have been pointless. Uh, but they're going through – I mean, James Franklin's not a new coach, but four of his assistants are new. They put in their offense on Zoom. But I don't want to hear excuses when you're Penn State. You shouldn't be losing to Nebraska. You shouldn't be losing at Indiana. I mean, you can't – you're better than 0-4. I know that. And they're not delivering. But, Andy, just – just for an Ohio State reporter who's watched Penn State over the years, neither one of us are surprised that in a close game, Penn State is very good at finding a way to lose it as opposed to finding a way to win it. Well, yeah, that's been sort of James Franklin's specialty over the years. He got lucky with a blocked field goal in 2016 and gave him some sort of big game rep, but since then he's done everything to foobar it. I mean, handing it off on fourth and five when Trace yeah. McSorley is eviscerating Ohio State a few years ago, mm-hmm. allowing them to come back. The year before that, you blow an 18-point lead on the road at Ohio State. With Saquon Barkley. What we just talked about, yeah. Noah Kane not knowing to fall down at the one-yard yeah. line when you could have run out the clock against Indiana. These are mistakes that James Franklin makes week in and week out in close games that Penn State needs to win. Um, he is... His specialty is not game management, and that's been clear to this point. Yeah, it sure has. Uh, we are a service of our friends at American Betting Experts, one of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the U.S. We've teamed together to provide special gaming offers to all Landry Football followers and podcast listeners. Go to our website, LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad located in the upper right-hand side of the page. Pick among the gaming sites legal in your state. Maybe it's Bet. MGM, maybe it's DraftKings, maybe it's FanDuel or PointsBet. Sign up, instantly receive an account deposit match or a risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It's that easy. Go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad located upper right-hand side of the page, get in on the action with a special offer from American betting experts. We do the A Few Good Men on the Big Ten podcast every Monday at 10 a.m. Our friends from the Big 12, in defense of the Big 12, come up at 11 o'clock. We did not have Ohio State-Maryland this week. That's the latest Big Ten game lost to COVID. The Buckeyes still have a one-game buffer before they would be ineligible for the Big Ten title as a team that has not played six games. Wisconsin has consumed its buffer. The Badgers cannot afford another game lost to COVID. They took care of Michigan on Saturday night in a result that's not a surprise, I don't think, to either one of us. But 49-11 to 11 is, um, I'm not sure, Andy, if that's more of a reflection on Wisconsin and how well they bounce back from two weeks of inactivity, if it speaks to their talent, 
or if it's more of a, it's both, but or if it's more of a reflection on Michigan having lost two in a row, backs against the wall, nationally televised Saturday night to come out and play like that. Well, as you said, Bruce, it's as usual with these things. It's a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, the culture, both at Penn State and at Michigan right now, we've been talking about these two. The, one of the things I love about college football, as compared to pro sports, there is no incentive to lose. Um, in the NFL, NHL, MLB, NBA, all four of them, you lose, you get higher draft picks. So yeah. 500 is basically the worst record to have. If you're not going to go to the postseason in those professional leagues, you want a terrible record to yeah. get a high draft There's pick. an advantage to Teams it. Teams yep. do it all the time. About a third of the league sometimes, it seems, is tanking, as it's called. Yeah. In college football, that doesn't exist. The more games you win, the better recruits you're going to get, or the more, if you're a traditionally dominant program and you have a down year, all up Penn State or Michigan this season, you go about 500. Teams can, players, recruits can still believe that you'll bounce back. Um, when you're 0 and 4 or 1 and 3, that changes a little bit. Because, uh, I mean, if you, Penn State wins out, they'll be 5 and 4. So I think. Um, Right now, they aren't playing neither of those teams like they have an incentive to win. Mm-hmm. But you always have an incentive to win. It's it should be pride, it should be culture, it should be um, those things that a coaching staff is supposed to instill in you. And right now, James Franklin and Jim Harbaugh haven't done that with their teams. Clearly, Michigan showing no fight against Wisconsin this week. I I don't I wouldn't come on here and criticize him for losing to Wisconsin because they were clearly outmatched in that game. But forty nine to eleven, come yeah. on. Yeah, and it's no energy at the start of the game. And you can tell they're a team that is just so fragile emotionally. Uh, they get a bad break, I would say, on the first Joe Milton interception. It's a it's a play that, you know, Michigan didn't make. The ball bounces through the hands of the receiver. That happens. The second interception, I I have no idea how Joe Milton doesn't see that linebacker. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it was just just inexplicable. He was just standing there. You're down 14 nothing, and it was... I mean, right then, if I'd have said this is going to get really bad, you wouldn't have been the least bit surprised. It was twenty-eight nothing at halftime. It was twenty-eight nothing at halftime last year in Madison. Not having Jonathan Taylor didn't make a difference. Michigan in this game was outrushed not just by two Wisconsin running backs. They were outrushed by Danny Davis, a wide receiver who had seven carries for like sixty-five yards. They were outrushed by a Wisconsin fullback. Michigan can't run the ball. No, and. I had several text message exchanges Saturday night. One with somebody who covers Michigan that I've known for 30 years. One with a national college football expert. And I said, I've never been more wrong on a guy. I said, I when Jim Harbaugh came to Michigan, I thought he was Michigan's Urban Meyer. And I thought we were in for a reincarnation of the Woody Bow 10-year war. I thought Michigan was going to be not just a Big Ten champion periodically, but a national champion periodically. I thought it was a home run hire, grand slam hire. I've never been more wrong about anything. And both of them said, same. I don't understand how they can't run it. At Stanford, he dominated the Pac-12 with multiple offensive line sets and weird formations and just punished people. He just rubbed their nose in it. They can't run it. And when you can't move people on third and one, and you can't hold people on third and one, you have zero chance to win. Absolutely. Um, You can put me as the third person you've talked to that's in that group of totally wrong about Jim Harbaugh. I uh, I agreed with you. I thought it was a home run hire when it happened. 
Um, I mean, I was younger, but I, I was also familiar with the history in the yeah. 10-year war, and I thought it would be a second coming of that, that Urban and Jim Harbaugh were going to duke it out for years on in and that they were going to be two perennial powers. I thought 2016 was a preview of that, obviously, when you had the double overtime game and JT, was he short, was he not? Curtis Samuel runs it in. That was the last time Michigan had a legitimate shot to beat Ohio State, it turns out. Uh, they haven't been close in the rivalry since that game, uh, going back. Uh, they've been within a couple scores, maybe, but it hasn't been. This run that Jim Harbaugh is on, here's the thing, too. The reports are that Michigan, there haven't been talks behind the scenes to move on from him yet. And I think if it does happen, it'll have to be a mutual thing. I don't think they're going to outright fire him. He'll take in maybe the Jets job, which is probably going to open up here. Um, there's a couple other NFL job openings that are going to be or are yeah. happening. Maybe the Texans or someone else. But um, he's, they're not, I don't think they're going to fire him. And if you stick with him, you're basically accepting mediocrity at that program. Yeah. He's never going to do better than 10 wins unless it's maybe he backs into it one year. But 10 inconsequential wins. 10 inconsequential add. wins, right. Um, maybe he lucks into an Ohio State victory one year, but you're never going to return the momentum of that rivalry. Um, so if, is this what you're okay with at Michigan? Because it's you know what he is. He's six years in. And like you yeah. said, he can't run the ball. Can't run That's the ball. been his entire identity yeah. at other places is big offensive linemen that can maul you. And for Pete's sakes, you have recruiting resources at Michigan that don't even – Stanford's not in the same league. No. They're worried about academics first over yeah. there. You how do you how are you able to recruit top flight linemen, develop top flight linemen and quarterbacks at Stanford, and then you can't come and do it at a perennial program with tons of tradition, with great Midwestern recruiting bases? All these resources Michigan has, six years in, he can't do it. It's wild to me. It's it's inex- uh, the only word I can think of is it's inexplicable. I mean, I just am absolutely astounded and dumbfounded by it. Given who he was, what he did, this wasn't a one-year lucky season, he's in over his skis kind of a thing. He was great at San Diego. He was great at Stanford. And you can say, I almost said to you in the middle of your comment, well, there's no Ohio State in the Pac-12. Well, there was when he went there. USC was phenomenal when he went there. He went into USC and beat him with a third-team quarterback. With a guy who'd never started a game. He crushed the USC program. He put him out of business. He chased Pete Carroll off to the NFL. People forget that. Jim Harbaugh took his hand and pushed USC into oblivion. And he went. He did the same thing in the NFC West. The San Francisco 49ers had talent when he went there. They weren't a dominant football team. They became a dominant physical football team that dictated their will to opponents because of the way he coached that team. And I know he wears on people. I get it. I understand it. I can see how he can wear on people. But in college, are you telling me Nick Saban's fun to play for? Urban Meyer's fun to play for? They're not fun to play for, folks. They're fun to win with. They're not fun to play for. Those guys get in your grill and they challenge you every single day is survival of the fittest. So Jim Harbaugh's not like more overbearing than two guys who've won at a high level in college, but he is just... He is a complete failure at Michigan. And it doesn't give me any pleasure to say that. I know some Ohio State fans delight in that. I want Michigan to be good because 
when it's good for the Big Ten if they're good. I thought we'd have Andy. I thought we'd have Auburn, Alabama, 365 days a year. I thought we'd have absolute rock fights over Ohio recruits. He doesn't. He doesn't. Harbaugh doesn't act like the state. Of, like the state of Ohio has anyone, oh. and all most of Michigan's success all time has been, if not built on the backs of, certainly built with the lots and lots of assistance of Ohio talent. Himself being born in Ohio, Desmond Howard, Thomas uh, or uh, uh, Lawrence Ricks, Denny Franklin. Chuck Heater, Ed Shuttlesworth, Charles Woodson, Des, uh, you know, on and on. Marcus Ray, on and on. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> and he acts like Ohio kids aren't even, like, he's not even interested. Here's the thing. People, here's, people say Ohio State gets their pick. You can say it's a different era. Maybe you want to argue that Charles, here's, look at what Kentucky's done. That's like entirely on the back of Ohio yeah. recruits right yep. now. Yep. That yep. is a resurging program. You think Michigan couldn't have gotten those kids? The same kids Kentucky is going and climbing in the SEC with. You think Jim Harbaugh couldn't have gotten Benny Snell or some of those other big-name recruits yeah. that Kentucky has landed out of Ohio, that Ohio State maybe passes on those borderline four stars? Every year there's those guys. Ohio is the centerpiece of Midwestern football recruiting for a reason. It's been that way for decades, and it hasn't changed. The only thing that changed is that Jim Harbaugh, for whatever reason, won't go in and recruit it. And the thing is, he's not even doing well in-state anymore. No, We've talked about his lack of success in Michigan this cycle. It's not as bad as James Franklin's lack of success in Pennsylvania uh, right now. But Harbaugh lacks an identity on the recruiting trail yeah, anymore. It right. used to be big physical running game like we talked about. It used to be find a good quarterback and develop him like we talked about. It used to be recruit your area. Stanford did a good job recruiting around them when he was there. Um, he hasn't. He doesn't have a recruiting identity. He lacks his old team identity. He tried to develop it. Now Josh Gaddis is there trying to run the spread, which is never what he did. Um, but you thought he needed to transition offenses to maybe that was the thing that was going to turn the program around. It hasn't. So there's no identity right now with Michigan, with Jim Harbaugh at the helm. And six years in, I, I, there's it's just hard to believe that's the case. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And I think your point on Josh Gaddis is a really good point. That's not who Jim Harbaugh has been. Just the way he hired Josh Gaddis. They didn't have a history going back. They'd never coached together before. He heard about Josh Gaddis. He gave him a phone call on the right day because Josh Gaddis had just been yelled at by Nick Saban. So he's like, okay, sure, I'll take the job. And, I mean, for Michigan to be running the spread is just – I remember Harbaugh when he did his press conference at the Super Bowl and he talked about Bo and Bo's influence on him. And he said, you know, when I got the job, Bo called me. He goes, are you going to have a tight end, Jim? You're going to put your hand in the dirt and get after it. Yeah. A fullback, yeah. You know, no, I'm going to run a spread with a bunch of little guys, <laughs> and I won't be able to outrush a Wisconsin fullback or wide receiver or two running backs. I mean, just crazy. But he's not the only failure in the league this year. We talked about Penn State. They started the season ranked ninth. Now they're out of the poll. Uh, Wisconsin is holding where they were. They started 11. They're 10. Michigan was 13. They're hopelessly out. Minnesota, 15. P.J. Fleck gets a pass because there's two bigger surprising Pratt Falls in the East, but Minnesota, what's going on there? Ah, uh, the defense lost too much. I 
I believe Minnesota was going to have a good year coming into this one because they returned so much on offense with their quarterback, their star receiver, their offensive line was all back. Like, they had so many pieces coming back on that offense, but the defense just hasn't been able to stop anybody. No, they were, a couple weeks ago, they were giving up for the season eight yards a carry. Eight yards a carry. I hadn't heard that. I mean, they let, we just said Michigan can't run it. They ran all over Minnesota. Exactly. That's the thing too is that I I I bought into Michigan at the beginning of the year. I had one of my roommates. He's not a not a huge football guy, admittedly. He's an Ohio State fan, but he, you know, he he doesn't. He's he's not a reporter or someone who really follows the sport intricately. You ask him to name who Ohio State's number two running back behind Teague is, he probably couldn't tell you. No offense to Steven if he's watching. But the um, he told me, I think this is the best team Jim Harbaugh's had at Michigan after they beat Minnesota like that. And I was like, you know, maybe pump the brakes there a little yeah. bit. But yeah, I, I think they're actually, Joe Milton looked like the real deal in that game a little bit. They were able to run the ball. Um, but my goodness, what a... That turns out, instead of being a statement about Michigan, that game is now more of a statement of how bad Minnesota's de- just how bad Minnesota's yep. defense is. Uh, and it's absolutely killed the momentum they built from last season. It's gone now. Yeah, no um, doubt. So you wonder what P.J. Fleck, obviously he's not someone who's going to be on his way out at all. Um, not unless he wants to be. Not unless he wants to be. He's in year two there. you you got to build up those things. But they're going to lose a lot of talent after this season on that offensive end now. Those pieces that they were returning aren't going to be back. Can P.J. build some sort of a defense over there? And can he find new talent to regain the offensive success with? Uh, Here in two years, we might be talking about P.J. in the same sentence, the same type of failure that Jim Harbaugh and James Franklin have been. Or he could turn it around and look like he did the first season. Uh, Regardless... I think it'll be telling because he really hasn't been the hell head of a program long term yet. Nope. What does long term PJ Fleck look like? Will we get that at Minnesota? He might leave. Yeah. Uh, these are a lot of questions we have about him. Uh, we want to thank you for watching us on the Chris Landry Football Channel on Twitch. Hit that follow button, top right hand corner of the Twitch screen. You'll be notified every time we go live. Hit the follow button. Then enjoy the in studio fun of Twitch TV with all of us right here on the Chris Landry Football Show. Okay, the games this week, Andy, are. Friday night, Purdue at Minnesota. Boilermakers trying to bounce back from a close loss to Northwestern. Michigan State is at Maryland. We assume Maryland's going to come through COVID protocol okay, see if they can build on their two straight wins. That's a Saturday noon game. Uh, Wisconsin, as you mentioned, is at Northwestern. That's 3.30 Saturday, following Ohio State playing host to Indiana at high noon. That's your Big Ten kickoff, uh, Big Ten, Big Noon kickoff game, and that'll have the, uh, will that have the Joel Klatt, Gus Johnson treatment? Believe so. Yeah. Uh, Iowa at Penn State, 330. Uh, Penn State's never been 0-5, but it's it's in play. It's in play. The way Iowa's playing, it is definitely in play. And uh, Illinois at Nebraska. Nebraska got the win over Penn State. Uh, first career start for Luke McCaffrey. I think the Adrian Martinez experience may be over. Yes. Uh, well, I, I, I've always thought, since I saw them play Ohio State, I thought that McCaffrey might be the future for them at quarterback. Yep. Remember when Adrian Martinez was, what, 15th in the Heisman odds coming yeah, into the season? great freshman year. He was nice. Freshman year, yeah. Whatever Last happens, year. don't know. You, you never know. know what happens to a player who has it going, and you think, boy, you really got a guy you can build around. He's going to be back three more years. And last year was a disappointing year, and obviously he's not playing well or they wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have moved him out. But Luke McCaffrey, hey, he looked great when uh, they played Ohio State. I thought he actually looked like – 
I thought they might be better if they just put Luke McCaffrey at tailback. <laughs> he can run it. He's a nice runner, which, you know, maybe that uh, isn't a, such a revolutionary idea given what his brother's doing in the NFL with the Carolina Panthers. All right, every week we do a feature, and with some of the problems in the Big Ten, it's certainly easy to find plenty of fodder for this. You can't handle the truth. All right, well, we've already delivered plenty of two truths about uh, Jim Harbaugh and James Franklin and P.J. Fleck today. I'm going to venture outside the conference, kind okay. of a retread of something I've talked about before um, that again, this is the year I really think now how it's set up. Clemson is probably going to get back to the ACC title game and beat Notre Dame. And then the question will be, will you put two ACC teams in the college football playoff or will you put in BYU or Cincinnati? Mm-hmm. Maybe the Pac-12 can get back. I don't think USC is going to pan out. Oregon. Um, is the really they didn't look great in the first half against Washington State? Obviously, eventually. So in this scenario, you're having Clemson beat Notre Dame in the ACC title game with Trevor Lawrence. Both I of think, them in with one. I loss. think so. Okay. Um. Well, we're we're thinking about do you put Notre Dame in with one loss, having beaten Clemson once, or do you put in BYU or Cincinnati? I really think that um, non-conference champions shouldn't go this year if you have undefeated BYU or Cincinnati. And here's the thing: I know a lot of people are against group of five teams getting in over a one-loss Power 5 team, especially when you look at what Notre Dame's done. Here's the thing. I, I just don't know what else you could ask of Cincinnati or BYU this season, right? We usually give teams one pass. Like, you can look bad for a game and not have it be the judge of your whole season. Cincinnati, no team has come within three scores of Cincinnati except for Army, who was ranked at the time. That was a 24-10 game. Other than that... Closest game, they won by 21 points. That was against South Florida. Beat, at the time, 16th-ranked SMU 42-13. They head on the road to Tulsa to close their season. This week, they're at Central Florida, which Central Florida's a solid 5-2 and two team. Um, I really think you've got Cincinnati, then you got BYU. BYU hasn't co- had anyone come within 17 of them except UTSA, a game that really shouldn't have been that close, 27-20, but... Uh, again, like I said, you, you usually get that one pass as a team. Mm-hmm. This week looked dominant against Boise State, 51-17. to um, Or that might have been two weeks ago. Anyway, they are gonna they have two easy games to close their season. They don't have a conference championship as an independent team. They have North Alabama and San Diego State to close. Uh, I don't see them losing either of those games. Honestly, I would put in either of them above any non-conference champion. I think this is the year to finally put a group of five team in the playoff. I've said it before. Wow. Um, if Clemson beats Notre Dame, I honestly think Cincinnati, undefeated Cincinnati with an Amer- American Athletic Conference title or even undefeated BYU with a potential Heisman candidate at quarterback deserves a shot. This is the year to give them a shot with all the calamity that's happened, with all the mismatch of games that everyone's played both will have a couple of ranked wins believe it or not dominant ranked wins no less um i think this is the year to put one of those teams in and give them a shot i think they could give a team a run for their money if notre dame beats clemson a second time i don't think it's any question that you do it yeah unless again oregon runs the table in the pac 12 maybe um you you have to take a look at them they'd be eight and oh if no games get canceled for Oregon, if they no games gets canceled, they could go eight and zero. But I honestly think that the way it's set up now, 
barring that, I would want Cincinnati or BYU, if they finish undefeated and look how they've looked in recent weeks, to be in the playoff. Okay. There you go. I can't uh, dispute that either. I do think Notre Dame better keep its uh, keep its eyes on the prize against North Carolina and Syracuse. Oh, yes. I wouldn't count either one of those as impossible games. Hold upsets in the past, for, for sure. Yeah, for Notre Dame to lose. You can't handle the truth! All right, I know he's an alum, and I know he's a legend, and I know it's messy. But if Jim Harbaugh's not going to bow out, you got to fire him. I know it's hard for Ward Manuel, and it fractures a relationship. Time heals all wounds. The fact of the matter is there have been tough decisions made in the past, notably at Ohio State, when the program has to be bigger than the coach. It just does. Jim Tressel was caught in that. Uh, Urban Meyer was caught in that with the Zach Smith thing, suspending Urban Meyer. The program is always bigger than the coach, no matter who the coach is. Firing Woody Hayes. The program's bigger than the coach. And Michigan football was great before Jim Harbaugh. And it's only going to be great if Jim Harbaugh is not there very much longer. Because there's no, I mean, look, this is one of those rare instances where the perfect coach was available when you needed a coach and you got him and he failed you. Urban Meyer was the perfect coach for Ohio State. He delivered. I think Mark D'Antonio was the perfect coach for Michigan State. He'd been there before. Luke Fickle was a perfect coach for Cincinnati. Um, lot of, Paul Christ, Wisconsin, perfect. And it works most of the time. It didn't work at Michigan. It's just not working. Firing the defensive staff, cleaning house over there, waste of time. You're not recruiting well. You're fan, you've lost your fan base. You're a laughingstock. It doesn't give me any pleasure to say it. He's just not getting the job done. I don't know why. I don't think he knows why. I think it hurts him as much as it could hurt anybody. I think he genuinely wanted to win. I think he works hard. He obviously doesn't work smart. He hasn't made the right decisions on certain people. But they got to make a change. And if he won't step off the cliff, then you got to push him. And um, then you have to make the determination whether Matt Campbell or Luke Fickle are the guy, or Chris Peterson, Bob Stoops, somebody in the NFL. I don't know. But I know it's a great job. I know it's got all the resources possible. I know you can win there at a high level. Um, but Jim Harbaugh's got to go. That's just all there is to it. Yeah, uh, couldn't agree more, honestly. Um, I guess we kind of all but said it earlier in the podcast, but yes, uh, if you... I always I thought it would be a mutual parting of ways thing after this season, but you're right. If Harbaugh won't leave himself this year, it, you need a change because this this can't be it. If you're a Michigan fan, I just don't think Michigan I don't booster. think he's a quitter. I don't think he wants to give up. Which there's at there's something admirable admirable about that, but I just think you have to tell him, look, Jim, you can't continue as our coach. Help us, help you, whatever. Maybe you both come out and say, we we wished it would have worked. We don't know why it didn't work. Great guy, great alum. I'll always, Hopefully he's at the podium and he says, I'll always support Michigan. I'll never say a bad word about Michigan. I love Michigan. I wished it had worked. I didn't get the job done. Right. Well, he's there's been a lack of accountability from him, though, in recent years, I think. Um, he never answers those questions, and maybe that's just because he's reserved. He's never been too open to the media in general. 
But yeah, you're right. I do hope he comes out if that were to happen, if he ends up, you know, if he's not at Michigan next year. He, he says he's going to maintain those relationships, that he's always going to have good views of Michigan. I think that, um, yeah, I, I, it, it's interesting. Oh, we have a question, actually, from a listener here. Well, we might, uh, I think, I'm not sure we do. Is there another one? Well, it's on Twitter. Oh, it's so, on Twitter. Great, great. go ahead. Uh, find out. Toby T says, find out why Maryland wasn't required to forfeit their game when they chose not to play OSU. Wasn't mandated by any Big Ten rule. Illinois and Boise State have both played games this year with many more players sidelined by the virus. Which was interesting. I, I Did you see the official count of Maryland players? I did not. I just had... have uh, gotten into this mode where when people say they can't play because of COVID, I believe them, and I figured it was some kind of Big Ten rule. I know I heard on Texas A&M they actually had only one kid test. But with contact tracing now, I mean, look at Ben Roethlisberger with the Steelers. They put him on the shelf all week. He couldn't practice. Right. Not that it made any difference, but, you know, contact tracing now has become the scarlet letter. Used to be a COVID positive. Now it's just if you're around somebody that has a COVID positive. Yes, I I agree. I think contact tracing is a lot of what that probably was for Maryland. The rule is 5% positive tests in the uh, Big Ten, you have to pause team activities mm-hmm. for at least seven get- days until your numbers get down. Um, and that's, I mean, that's not a lot. 5% is about, when you're talking, you know, each team probably has, what, about 110 players, 120 yeah. players. Then you add in staff, staff probably about 30, 40 staffers when you talk about head coach, assistants, quality control personnel, strength and conditioning staff. So maybe maybe about 150, give or take, players and coaches and staff that are in that team personnel category. Um, 5% of 150 is about eight. Yep. Seven or eight people test positive. So uh, what I would say there is that I'm not going to assume any ill intent on Maryland's part until it's proven otherwise. Um, This is a very serious uh, virus, and the Big Ten has very strict protocols. I... I can't fathom that they had a reason to not want to play Ohio State. They had everything going for them. They're playing great. They've won two in a row. They've got the game at home. The last time they had Ohio State at home, they came down to a two-point conversion. I don't know their numbers, but it makes absolutely no sense why they wouldn't want to play the game. Right, exactly. If they um, were just ducking the game. No, I, I don't, just can't see that. I, I can't see it either. So uh, that if that answers your question, Toby, uh, thanks for uh, popping that in there. Yep. Uh, and. Reminder that anyone can submit a question to either our chat on Twitch or to our uh, or send us a message on Twitter. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, we would. And uh, as we back on out of here, a reminder, we're sponsored by American Betting Experts, one of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the U.S. Go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad in the upper right-hand side of the page, pick among the gambling sites legal in your area. Might be BetMGM, might be DraftKings, might be FanDuel. Might be point bets. Sign up and instantly receive an account deposit match or a risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It is just that easy. We will be back next Monday, 10 a.m., talking about the de facto or at least get the inside lane to the championships of the East and West, Ohio State playing host to Indiana, and Northwestern playing host to Wisconsin. Excited for that. Me too. We'll have a lot to talk about next week. Yes, we will. Everybody have a great week. See you then.